Romans chapter 1. If you recall a couple of Wednesdays ago now, I was preparing to get up here and talk about prayer, teach on prayer, and the Lord arrested me and said, Nope, I want you to get up right now, meaning that Wednesday night, and start a series on the subject of faith. And, uh, you know, pondering that, you know, the Lord, He doesn't do anything randomly. You know, and so if He said, get up right now, start a series on the subject of faith. You know what that tells me? I don't know what that tells you. That tells me somebody's going to need their faith pretty quick here. (laughs) Maybe you need your faith right now. And that's true of all of us. Amen. Maybe, you know, God knows what I'm facing. Maybe maybe I'm going to need my faith. And uh, whatever his, whatever he knows, I'm just happy to go the direction he would have us to go. And so we're going to minister uh, to you on the subject of faith tonight at the Lord's direction. And uh, I hope you're not sitting there saying, I've heard this. I don't know how many times I've heard this. Well, you're already off and need to be corrected if that's the way you're thinking. You know, I've been serving God for, I need to sit down and just really, really check it out. But confidently since, you know, latter half of 94... 95, you know, I'm, I'm in it. You know, I'm, 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 I don't know what I know now, but uh, I had started in earnest in pursuing God and seeking God. And I've been eating up faith books, faith material, the faith message, living it, practicing it, tweaking myself, learning about it, hungry, amen. I've probably heard thousands, I mean thousands of sermons on the subject of faith. And I'm not near arrived. And if it's, I don't know, let's say I'm just guessing 2,675th sermon, I'm about to pop in my CD player on the subject of faith. I'm hungry for it. I'm fresh. Amen. And if you're really in the flow with God, you, you know that it's an honor. It's a thrill. You know that there are multiplied millions of precious Christians out there that have never heard one good message on the subject of faith. And for you to get to come to a place and be in a company of believers that emphasizes faith like we do, you're a blessed people. You're a blessed people. And um, let's read this verse here in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. It says, for I am not ashamed, Paul said. You like him? Come on, I'm not ashamed. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it, that message, is the power of God. Now, a lot of times we don't think about that like we should, right? What did he say was the power of God? The message The message is the power of God. The good news is the power of God unto soteria, unto rescue, salvation, deliverance, prosperity, healing, wholeness, peace, everything that that Greek word salvation means. Hallelujah. Praise God. So by hearing the message, you're being exposed to divine power. Amen. Praise God. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Don't you wish it said that? It doesn't say to everyone. It says to everyone that believes. Or you could say it this way, to everyone that has faith. So the message that contains divine power is experienced by those who believe it. And those who go, they don't get it. And then they'll walk off and say, see? But they don't, it takes faith to unlock the power of God that's in the message. It takes a specific combination to get in my locker at the gym. It takes a specific PIN number to get into my computer or my phone. 
You don't put in the right one, you're not getting in. Amen? But I'm telling you, if you knew the pen you've got now, you've got access to all that's in there. Hallelujah. Faith gives you access to heaven. Faith gives you access to divine power. Faith gives you access to salvation and the forgiveness of your sins. Faith gives you access to divine protection. Faith gives you access to all the blessings of God. Faith gives you access to supernatural financial supply. Oh, I don't know. See, you're not going to get it. That's not the right pin number. <laughs> That's not the right combination. Amen. People, Christians, mock the faith message. Mock faith teachers. Well, uh, I don't know why they're doing that, Brother Jared, because you can't even get saved without faith. Isn't that what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us? For we are saved by grace through faith. Anyway, just trying to read this here. So it's salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is, therein in where? Therein means in that, in the gospel. Is the righteousness of God revealed, how? From faith to faith. So see, you don't get in the book, the gospel, and get it all in one moment. Right? We go from glory to glory. We go from level to level. We go from faith to faith. As it is written, here's the phrase I want to get to. The just, that's you and me and Jesus, shall live by faith. Now go to 2 Corinthians with me. A couple of books to the right. Chapter 5. And again, I'll let this go, but if you weren't here Wednesday night, Last week, where my wife was ministering on this subject, that's going to be, I want David, who does all of our messages and archives, to put that in classics. It's going to go in the classics folder. And on special occasions, we're going to do video clips and highlights of that message. <laughs> it was so precious, so, so wonderful, and so helpful. So helpful. Amen. Especially for those of us that are newer to this walk. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, look at verse 6 and 7. It says, therefore, we are always confident. I love that life as a believer, right? Paul's saying we're always confident. Now, really, he's been talking about in the previous verses about going home to heaven, about dying as a Christian, about being clothed with our heavenly tabernacle. Amen. And so he says, we are always confident knowing. See, the Christian life is not about wondering or hoping. It's about knowing. Knowing what is. Knowing what's true. Knowing what God will do. Amen? We know, knowing that while we are at home in the body. Oh, it's just a, that's just such a wonderful verse. We are absent from the Lord. So as long as my spirit's at home in this body, I'm absent from home. Home is heaven, not here. Amen. So to be a present in the body is to be absent from the Lord, meaning where He is. Praise God. So we are absent from the Lord. Now, notice, talking about even about issues with life and death. How does He say we live? For we walk. Now remember what I've taught you. The word walk in the New Testament or Bible all around means live or lifestyle. 
lifestyle. So Paul in Romans said, for we live by faith, not by sight. Now here this verse says, so we walk by faith, not by sight. And what I want to emphasize to you here at the beginning is that what Paul is trying to get over to us, what God is trying to get over to us is faith is not something we use occasionally when we're in crisis. Oh, where's my faith? You know, the doctor said, or, you know, breakups about to have, whatever. You know, people go digging around their closet for that thing that they, you know, the preacher called faith. Faith is not something that you're supposed to employ only on certain occasions. These verses, amen, don't they indicate this is how we live? And this is what I've been praying for you today. God, help us to get a revelation of this. Faith is to be your lifestyle. It is how you live, meaning it affects everything. I don't just bring my, I just don't, I'm not just using my faith when I come to church. Faith, faith is involved in every aspect of my life. Every hour, every minute of every day, I am to be doing it by faith. By faith. Faith is how, listen, faith is how, I don't have it all together, but I'm working on myself and I have attained some ground. Faith is how I live. Faith is how I live. I get in the car by faith. I get on the airplanes by faith. I come here by faith. I preach by faith. I pay bills by faith. I go to the doctor by faith. I really don't go to the doctor, but if I had to go to the doctor, I go by faith. I eat my food by faith. You know, if your stomach just goes all over, you just had a little something to eat, you're not, you're not releasing your... Do you pray over your food? Then you should not... If you get sick after eating something that you prayed over, you didn't mix faith in what you prayed. You're just doing something religious. The Bible says that our food is sanctified, meaning set apart and made holy by the word of God and prayer. But that prayer means the prayer of faith, not the prayer of tradition and mindlessness. Right. And over in Exodus says, if you will serve the Lord thy God with gladness of heart, he will bless your food and water. He will bless it. He will bless your food and water and take sickness out of your midst. We shouldn't be getting food poisoning. I'm redeemed from food poisoning. You're... Amen. Amen. It's like Wigglesworth rebuked a pastor's wife one time, I hear, reading stories after him. That she, uh, she loved, uh, he loved this woman's particular, let's call it, I don't remember, coconut pie. And, uh, but uh, she set it down and they had prayed over it already. And she said, I'm so sorry, Wigglesworth, this is not going to be, it's not going to be good. It's not my best. He goes, shut up, woman. It's been prayed over. It'll be great. <laughs> We've got an apostle, I mean a real apostle, in our camp, in our company. His name's Mike Rabel. And it's just so funny to listen to him and Dr. Jacobs talk about stories on the field. About being in South America and, you know, having monkey brain soup served to you. And, and he had brought a bunch of youth on this mission trip. Dr. Jacobs and Mike Rabel. And Mike Rebel comes running into the dining hall. I just heard this story last week. Running into the dining hall to all the kids. Don't eat the salad! Don't eat the salad. And they go, we already ate the salad. He goes, it's all good. According to your faith, be it unto you. 
And it's so funny on the field to listen to him pray over meals. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command every amoeba to be killed, every harmful bacteria to, to die, and there's nothing in there that would kill us, will not kill us. Will go. It's funny. But he means it. He's in faith about it. You're thinking you got missionary in you. You ought to not go on the mission field if you don't have faith. But see, I'm telling you, what you're, what you, you, may, you didn't know it, I didn't know it either, but what you signed up for when you became a disciple of Jesus is you became a disciple of the faith life. You read your Gospels and what you're finding is Jesus walked the streets of it, you know, the, the land of Israel up and down, north and south. He's, it's faith everywhere you go. Oh, there's a funeral. Let's reap up in there and touch that guy, raise him from the dead. Oh, we're at a wedding and they run out of wine. Let's just multiply it. Oh, we got 15,000 people that are hungry. Let's feed them all. I mean, what a trip to walk around with Jesus. But see, he lived by faith. And he wants you to live by faith. What, does he, what do these verses say? He does not want you living by. By sight. Now, what he means is by natural sight. What you see around you. Well, if he doesn't want you living by natural sight, he doesn't want you living by natural hearing. Someone calls you up, you hear something. No. That's not faith. We're not supposed to be moved by what we see. We're not supposed to, I'll find out if you're awake or not. Moved. We're not supposed to be moved by what we hear. If He doesn't want us to walk by natural sight, He doesn't want us to live our lives according to what we hear in the natural. He also doesn't want us to live according to feelings. Now you need to get a, Thank you for your amen. I know it was genuine. But you've got to get a revelation of that. You are not supposed to live your life day by day, hour by hour, according to how you feel. See, someone asks you, how are you today? There's a faith answer. And there's a feeling answer. And a lot of the lobby, you know, so a lot of our conversations is not the faith answer. Well, let me tell you. And here we go. We're going to start spewing doubt and unbelief off on everybody. Now, there are times when you need mentoring and you need an answer and you need counsel. I don't want the faith answer. I want you to tell me what's going on with you. That's not unbelief. Well, some people are just in a mode. They just come to church, and I'm not just talking about that, but I'm just everywhere you go, to dump. Let me express to you what I see, what I've heard, how I feel, and then come in sanctuary and go, oh, I live by faith, I'm blessed. No, you're not. You're a hypocrite and a liar and confused. And it's not working for you. And that's why it's not working for you. Ooh, preaching good already here. How are we supposed to live? Come on, we're supposed to live by faith. How are we not supposed to live? I'm not supposed to live by what I see or hear or feel. Well, I didn't see you in church last night. Well, I didn't feel. Oh, we know what you were led by. I know how you're living. I know what you're walking by. You're walking by how you feel. Well, you know, pastor, they say the coronavirus is pandemic. Now, now it's unleashed. It's just everywhere. Listen, I'm going to help you tonight. No one, listen to me, no one connected to Amber and I 
in life or ministry will ever have the coronavirus. I got you covered. Aren't you glad you have a pastor? So you just got your injection. So just chill. Third biggest percentage drop in the Dow ever over nothing but fear over what might be because of somebody, some news guy said that you don't know, never heard, never going to touch your life. Please. Now, thank you. I'm just going to stay on this till the Lord lets me off of it. This faith thing is your lifestyle. You sit down at your bill table, you bring your faith. You know, when I hire staff people, I'm telling them, I'm not just hiring your skill set and your work ethic and your personality and the fact that I like you. I'm hiring your faith. Don't forget to bring your faith. You're not willing to bring your faith, you're not going to get to hang with me very long because we're faith people around here. But your family needs to be like that. You shouldn't be having, you know, married couples having hour-long fits of just dumping doubt and unbelief and fear off on each other. One of you, I like something Dad Jacob said. He tells this story about uh, how, how dangerous it is to get turned negative over a situation. You know, that's easy to do, isn't it? The pressure, people, and all that you are seeing can turn you negative and make you a grouch. And he was telling about the time, and I've been there, where uh, his church buildings, he's got two buildings there, every five years because the banker, now we have favor. You know the favor of God's on me big time. But our banker, this is the first I've ever heard of this for churches. They've offered me when we refi next year, a fixed 10-year note that will take us all the way to zero instead of having to come back to them. But most of the time, that's what you have to do. You have to, preachers have to go back every five years and renew their note. Well, it was doctor's five-year time. And, you know, nobody would help him. They're paying their bills, and there's no problem, but nobody would help him. And he, two years, this pressure building on him. And he, was sit, he said he was sitting at the breakfast table. It was only, it was only him and his wife, Pastor Diana. And all that negativity came out in a comment at the breakfast table. Now, I don't call him this, but she goes, Michael, what? Did you just hear what came out of your mouth? No, what did I say? And she told him this doubt and unbelief and fear and negativity. Wasn't faith coming out of his mouth about this situation. And she said, uh, I live with you. You don't talk like that. What's the matter with you? It's funny, he said, I'm just like any good red-blooded husband around. I wanted to defend myself. <laughs> but he said, I quickly stopped and the Lord arrested me. He goes, she, he goes, I know the Lord had me, she had me. And he said, well, I just repent. I just got turned negative. Father, I ask you to forgive me. I'm asking you, honey, to forgive me. And then he made a faith. He goes, I'm getting back in faith about this right now. Two weeks later, he had it. But what I like about that is his wife... Pastor Diana wasn't going to sit there and put up with that doubt and unbelief. She helped him. The fact that you're married and you love each other and sweet, you're not helping them by petting their fear, their doubt, their unbelief. Come on, this stuff could get serious. You could die. You better get in faith. 
Amber, man, I'll tell you what, she's gotten me before. You remember my story about being all the pressure? And I was over at the Kevill property where we used to live. And I was walking down the hallway and I just screamed out to that circumstance. I quit. I just, I quit. She's washing dishes. She goes, no, you don't. <laughs> See, she, in her own way, just she said, no, we ain't quitting. We're not going to get in doubt and unbelief. No way. We're going to keep going. See, you need to, iron should be sharpening iron. And listen, we have weak moments, but that's when your spouse ought to be strong. Say, buck up, sweetie, praise God. We're faith people. And then when you, if you get weak, then the other one says, hey, remember that? You need to get yourself in line. And don't be the spouse that's just perpetually year after year, you know, having to be drug along by the other spouse in negativity, doubt, and belief. Put your faith pants on and start helping out. Okay, that wasn't in my notes, but praise the Lord. So listen, you'll just have to listen to this. Just listen to me. Some different phrases from different translations out of this. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by what? Faith, not by sight. The NIV says we live by faith, not by sight. That's how we live. I like that. Weymouth says, for we are living a life of faith. We are living a life of faith, not one of sight. Now, you're not going to get there overnight living this way because depending on when you started this journey and where you're at in this journey, that's how we were trained. Isn't that right? To reason and evaluate, to pro and con, to navigate the natural, to live according to what is seen. And then all of our science and school and education's really magnified all that. But this is, you're going to have to get out of the, unplug out of the matrix of the world. Because God, He's not moved by whatever it is you're seeing. He sees the same thing. He's not worried about it. There's no drama in heaven. You know that, right? You're freaking out in your living room. He's not going to join you in your freak out. You know, God who's all seeing, He's the all seeing, all knowing God. He's already seen, sweetie, if you get in faith, here's your outcome. I've already seen it. I've been there. It's really good. That's what you ought to do. But he's also said, now, if you're just going to go down this trail of doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, being negative, talking wrong, I've seen the ditch you're going to end up in. But the choice is up to you. Either way, I'm not going to get into your drama. I love you. I'll help you. I'm here for you. I'll comfort you. But if you're not going to get in faith, I can't help you. That's God talking. If you're not going to get in faith, He cannot help you. Yeah, I said God cannot. Jesus couldn't on the earth. You're not going to flow with Him. You're not going to give Him a little ounce of faith. You're not going to open up the door. He, he's just going to have to leave you sick. You know, there's one scripture. You know, people actually try to use this scripture to prove that uh, healing's not for everybody. And that is that passage where Paul made the statement that he left Melita sick in a certain city. Well, that doesn't say anything. I've left a lot of people sick. I go to the hospital and leave a ton of them sick. That doesn't mean healing's not for them. They're probably not believing nothing. And it's not the man as God's opportunity to care everybody on their faith or to get everybody healed. I, I don't, it's like, I love what Dr. Jacob says. I don't have a magic wand and I don't have any pixie dust to put on you. You're going to have to learn to live by faith. Amen. Amen. Praise God. 20th century translation says, 
We, for we guide our lives by faith, not by what we see. You like that? We guide our life. How? I'm steering my life by faith. I'm not steering my life according to what I see. Remember what we said last time I was here? Out of 2 Corinthians 4? What you see is temporary. Subject to change. That's right. So you're not supposed to look at that. You're supposed to keep your eye fixed on the eternal, the promise of God. Because that's unchanging. And if you'll hold to it, if you'll believe it, stick to it, it'll be that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it is good. Dr. Jacobs was telling about the story I've heard this many times, just so wonderful. It's Dr. Jacobs' night. Amen. We'll just prime your pump for the meeting next month. But uh, he's talking about they had their first gyne- uh, lady appointment uh, after they had conceived Jordan, their son. And when they did their first ultrasound, the doctor came in and says, you need to get in my office, I need to talk to you about this, there's a problem. And uh, uh, he sat him down and said, well, the placenta has attached itself in the womb over the cervix, which of course is the opening where the baby's going to come out. And he said, this is called uh, placenta privia, whatever the diagnosis is. And he said, once the placenta attaches in a spot, it never moves. So you may have to have a cesarean. He gave him all these doomsday scenarios. You may have symptoms. You may bleed. You may not be able to carry this baby to term. This baby may not live. And they ended the appointment. Well, he said, Dr. Jacobs just grabbed her by the hand. They got out of the doctor's office, and there was a stairwell, and they were way up high. And you know how there's concrete stairwells, you know, boom, that steel middle door. And he just turned to her and said, had her by the hand, said, listen, honey, listen to me. I got this. It will be as I say. Notice he's turning that. He's saying, it will not be as the doctor just said. And he said, honey, I don't need you to do anything. I got this. I'm telling you, that's my seed in there. Quoting him. That's my seed in here. And he said, placenta, I'm talking to you. You have to move. Placenta, move. I command you to move in the name of Jesus. And it'll be as I say. And he said, honey, you're going to have a baby normally the way God designed a woman to have a baby. And that's it. It'll be as I say. And they, they left. Well, every month they have an appointment. And every month they took a picture and the doctor would come in and say, it's just as I said, that placenta is right there over the cervix. And so this third month, fourth month, same thing. And sometimes he would come home from work, he said, and she'd, she'd be in bed saying, I've had symptoms, honey. I've had some spotting. You know, I, I, you know, I need you to pray for me. He said, honey, it'll be as I say. I'm telling you, I got this. It will be as I say. He said, he just stuck to it. Yeah. Notice the doctor kept telling him what to see, what the doctor was seeing. Yeah. But he kept saying, no, it'll be as I Say, it's not going to be as he sees, it's going to be as I say. I'm just staying with it, it's going to move. Placenta, I say move. Sixth month, seventh month, eighth month. Doctor's saying the same thing, it's just as I told you. And he wasn't arguing with the doctor. They went in for their nine-month appointment, took another picture, he said, well, what do you know? You know that placenta's moved? Dr. Jesus, it'd be as I say, I told you. (laughs) Classic example, real situation. Amen? You got a choice, Christian. You got a choice, believer. Is it going to be as you see? It could be as you say. But no, you know, 
And he's not perfect at it either, but he learned enough by the time he... See, isn't it important that you hit those moments in life having some knowledge about how faith is. It's funny to hear him talk. He said, you know, uh, right after he graduated Baptist Seminary, but he got filled with the Holy Ghost, and obviously that's going to take him kind of a different direction. And he had a, uh, he had a small church, his first church he ever pastored, and, and uh, a lady in his church had a whole bunch of reel-to-reel tapes from Kenneth Copeland. And she said, here, pastor, take these. Keep them as long as you want. I mean, she's smart. I'm going to feed my pastor some good stuff. And so the first one he played in his car was all about faith and words, how words are everything. And he said he listened to that the first time, listened to that one time, and he stopped it and said, this is the, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, like words could do anything. They're just words. He said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. But he said the Lord arrested him on the inside. He said, Michael, check within you. He goes, and he looked down on the inside. You know, that's where your spirit is, down in here. And his spirit, his head was going, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But his spirit was going, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So he said he just listened to that over and over and over. Because he didn't get it. And you're not going to get it either the first time. But he stayed with it. And he got it. And he kept playing it. And he played it. And he just played it and played it and played it. And he said, there was a day came. He's listened to that, I don't know how many times. And he said, like a lock. All the tumblers lined up on the inside of him. He goes, I got it. I got it. That's called getting a revelation, not just head knowledge. Of what faith is. Amen. See, you're gonna, if you're going to want to live this way and listen, you want to live this way. This is the best way to live. This is the highest way to live. This is the way that you have victory. Come on. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Right? 1 John 5, 4. Glory to God. This is the highest and the best way to live. This is the way you're going to overcome everything the devil's going to throw at you in life. This is the way that you are going to obtain the promises of God. This is how you're going to get out of the ghetto, get you a nice house, live in divine health, have a wonderful family, keep a marriage together, keep sickness and disease off your body. Then you start adding your faith to the kingdom of God, catching the vision with your pastor, and let's win the city and the region. How about that? How are we going to do that? By faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Here's another translation of it. We're not even going to get off my opening scripture here. Praise God. Another translation says, For here, meaning in the earth. For here I live by what I believe. I live by what I believe. That's what faith is. What is faith? It's what you believe. It's what you believe. For here, meaning in the earth, I live by what I believe and not by what I see. Hallelujah. The basic translation says, For we are walking by faith, not by seeing. Some people, if they can't see the way forward, they ain't going. Well, you can't walk with God. You just can't walk with God. If you have to see naturally where you're headed, how it's all going to turn out, how many left and right turns and all that you're going to have to deal with because he's not going to tell you. Because guess what? If he just laid out your whole life, here's sweet, here at Brother Austin, I'm going to lay it. Here's your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, and if you want to live on into your 90s, this is what it's going to be. Everything. Well, you just get up every day and check the calendar. You're walking by sight. He wants you living by faith. 
So you're going to have to get out of your head. You know, I'm going to say it again. You know, by the end of this year, you watch. This church will have doubled in attendance, finances, and accomplishments. By the, now, my head wants to go, you're going to look like a fool. But no, see, I'm living by faith. I'm living by the prophetic word. I'm living by what God said. And it's the year of the double, sure. I'm getting double mints, double pencils, double everything. I'm serious. I'm telling you, I get... How many minutes did you put on my desk today? Two. Glory to God. I'm counting the big blessings, the small blessings, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing double everywhere. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, I'm saying it. Last one, Amplified says, For we walk by faith, not by sight or appearance. In other words, a faith person isn't going, they're not moved by how things appear. The devil's going to make things appear at times like you're going under, like you're going down, like it's not working. I remember Reverend Randall Greer saying he stood for, I don't know, more than a year for his airplane, for his ministry. And he said for the whole year, it looked like his faith was working in reverse. Like he's going, it looks worse every day. And then one day at the end of that year, a businessman walked up and handed him a million dollars cashier's checks to go buy your airplane. See, he stayed with it despite what it looked like. He stayed with it despite how things looked. Brother Philip and I were talking yesterday or today, I don't remember, talking about the disciples in the boat with Jesus. And it sure looked like they were perishing. And that's what they told Jesus was happening. We dying. We dying. Do you, you don't even care we dying. But we dying. Where'd they get that from? That's how it appeared. Jesus didn't act like he dying. He acted like he was going to the other side, like he said. But see, the devil whipped up a storm to oppose their faith, to make things appear. And sure enough, it worked with those disciples. They cast off what they believed. Because things appeared to be going south. Faith people don't throw off the, what they believe. They don't throw off the word. They don't throw off their confidence when things don't appear to be working. They just stay with it. Because you've got to go back and mix what I've been teaching you on Sundays. What kind, whose word are we talking about here? You do know what faith is, right? Faith is trusting what God said. Period. Faith is trusting what God said. Trusting enough to not worry. Trusting enough to not fear. How about this? Trusting enough to obey. A lot of people, the reason... I don't believe most people's hearts are rebellious. Some people, their hearts are rebellious. But most people that live their life out of the will of God are not because they're rebellious. They don't trust God enough to obey Him, to go the direction He's telling them if He doesn't spell it all out for them. I wouldn't be in Paducah. Everything was unknown. Everything. 
First church, I never pastored a church before, my wife and I. I didn't know what a Paducah was. Remember? I didn't know what a Paducah was. I didn't know if I'd like the town. I didn't know if they had good schools. I didn't know if the church would accept me. I didn't know if I'd ever gain their trust. I didn't know if the people would continue to give. You know, that's how a pastor gets paid, primarily. There were so many unknowns. All I knew, all we, Amber and I knew was the Holy Spirit was saying, go, go. And you know, He's not going to give you another word. I mean, to do what He wants you to do is, G-O, baby, just go. Go, stay, put up, shut up, go. What are you going to do? But in Hebrews 11, one of my favorite phrases in all of Hebrews 11, the, the chronicle of faith, is, by faith, Abraham went. By faith, Abraham went. Then it says, not knowing where he was going. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, that's faith, isn't it? God points in a direction says, go that way. I don't know about that. What's around the corner? I'm not telling you. How am I going to live? By faith. How are we going to eat? By faith. What's God saying? I'm leading you. I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to pay your bills. I'm going to protect you. You know, in Abraham, I mean, he didn't prove this out in a good economy in a modern society. He's out among thieves and robbers living in tents when kings and warlords and tribes and robbers are everywhere. And God made him the king, the head honcho. Nobody would mess with him. Somebody tried to mess with him and, and stole his, kidnapped his, you know, nephew. Remember that? And Abraham just went to the gun safe. And he had 300 M16s in there. And he had 300 servants. Paid servants. Here, 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 go. And they kicked some butt and took some names. Got to spoil, got rich, and got locked back too. I mean, God blessed him. But God tested him. God's just saying to so many of us, do you trust me? Faith's not hard. It just comes down to, do you trust me? Paul said, ah, I don't man, I don't know. Pastor, do you trust me? Amen. Amen. I wondered that too. I looked at my pastor going, oh my God, I can never be him. And I'm not him. But God just helps me. Let's go, let's go one more scripture and we'll get ready to stop. Second Peter. Is this, is this helping you at all? So if you haven't yet, you've got to consecrate. You've got to, you've got to dedicate. You've got to make a decision. From this day forward, I'm a faith woman. I'm a faith man. Faith is my life. Faith, my, faith is my lifestyle. We need a t-shirt, honey. Life is an adventure. Melissa, we need a t-shirt. Before someone else gets it. That's my phrase. Life is an adventure. What? An adventure of faith. Second Peter chapter 1. I, I got to bellyache into God over and over. During this building process, over and over. Oh, Father, we've risked everything. We've risked it all. 
We are so out there. I've risked my name, my reputation, my salary. My whole church could implode. And I just kept going on and on, day after day in my prayer time, talking to the Lord, beating my chest about, look what I've done. We're risking it all, risking everything. Finally, he broke in on me in prayer one day, Paul, and said, shut up, shut up. You know what he said? He said, Chris, you have not risked anything. He says the risk with what you're doing is exactly zero. I went, Father, Father, it doesn't look that way to me. He said there is absolutely zero risk in what you're doing. I said, you're going to just have to explain it to me because I'm happy to. I told you to do it. And as long as you do what I tell you to do, it's got a 100% chance of success. There is absolutely no risk. What was I doing? I was overwhelmed with what I was looking at and all my feelings and all my emotions and all my mental temper tamperings and all my freak out. Looking at the wrong thing, focused on the wrong thing. Here's God over here going, there's zero risk in what that kid's doing. Zero, none. And Abraham, he seemed to have this revelation. Here he is with a knife. He's about to plunge it right into the chest of his miracle son without reservation because God said, See, he had a revelation of covenant. God said, kill him, but he's going to have to raise him from the dead because he told me, he walked through blood and told me, I'm the father of many nations. So I'll do what he said, that's fine. But he's going to raise my boy up from the dead. Isaac the resurrected. I mean, he's just, you talk about radical. It looks radical, doesn't it? Because few men or women have ever walked the earth that trusted God that completely. But we could, and we should. Amen. Hallelujah, I like this. I don't know if you're liking it, but I like this. I don't know if Pastor Amber's going to put it in classics or not. But <laughs> Chapter 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Getting ready to close here. Take heart. Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them, notice, keep, pay attention to your tenses, that have obtained. Are we trying to get it? To them that have obtained, what did he say? Like precious faith. Now in the Greek, there's not two words like precious. It's one Greek word and the phrase means of equal value of equal quality. So what Peter said, I'm writing to people, to believers, who have obtained faith like mine. Like faith. Like precious faith. Faith like mine. Faith of the same quality. Faith of the same value. Faith of the same kind. Now, can anybody tell me what Peter did with his faith? Somebody tell me something Peter did with his faith. He walked on water. Yes, he did. He faltered a little bit, but he was learning. Y'all ever walked on the water? The Bible says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. You have to get in the book of Acts, and you're thinking, what was, some, what was one of the greatest feats Peter ever did with his faith? He raised, my son would laugh, he raised Dorcas from the dead. 
Her name is Dorcas. That's just what it is. Aren't you glad, Ryan, that you're not Dorcas? Dorcas Cody. You can read about it in the book of Acts. Yeah, Dorcas. Raised, and that little girl, about 12, Jesus had a girl he raised from the dead, about 12. Uh, did she's, Jesus raised from the dead, she's just dead a few hours. This girl dead just a few hours. These parents and Jesus laid their dead daughter up in her bedroom in the upper room. Same thing in the book of Acts. It's, the, it's a carbon copy event. Jesus goes in the upper room, gets all the criers and the whiners and the grievers and casts them out. Takes in just a few. Speaks to him to her, daughter I say unto you arise. Peter was there that day. So here he is. He's in a different situation and Jesus is in heaven. But he goes up there. He got all the criers and the whiners and the grievers out. You know what he said to her? Come on, you don't have to make this stuff up. It's not a trick question. He said, daughter? What did Jesus say? Daughter, I say unto, yeah, say unto you. Oh yeah, he said, arise. And the girl goes. Now when the little girl came back to life, amen, when Jesus called her back, he said, give her something to eat. You know what Peter did? She's blinking her eyes. Give her something to eat. Peter had like precious faith like Jesus's. He, did, he produced the same quality of miracle by faith in the power of God that Jesus did. Oh, but that's because he's one of the twelve. No, 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 that's not right. You have no scripture for that. He is one of the twelve. Very important person in scripture. But to a whole company of disciples in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus said to all of his followers, have the God kind of faith. In Romans 12, 3, writing to all Christians, Paul said, we have all received the measure of faith. But I want to leave you with this thought. What kind of faith is it? You, believer, do not have a less than faith than Peter had. Peter had the faith of Jesus. He produced the same quality of miracle that Jesus did. Jesus said in John 14, 12, the works that you see me do, you shall do also. Amen? The same works. So Peter's writing to believers. He's, he's not writing to fellow apostles or the chosen few. He's writing to Christians. This is in your Bible, right? It's a letter. And it says, To them that have obtained faith of the same kind, faith of the same value, faith of the same quality. In other words, the things Jesus did with His faith, Peter did with His faith, and you can do with your faith. If you grow it, if you develop it. And he called it precious. Believer, your faith is precious. Your faith is precious. You know what precious means? Something of great value. Something that comes at a high price. Uh, something that's precious means something cherished or priceless. And that's your faith. That's my faith. We don't have a less than faith. Oh, I just wish I could have faith like Pastor Chris. You have the same kind I do. It's just, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? And we really shouldn't compare. 
I've been doing this a while. Amen? And I don't compare. I look at Pastor Nancy. I look at Kenneth Copeland. I look at Jerry Seville. I look at uh, Dr. Jacobs. And I, I could get discouraged if I wanted to. I'm not where they are with their faith. And then I could turn around and look at others I know that are, man, I've, and then you're getting pride about it. That, stop comparing. You just are where you are. You know a skill saw in my hand and a skill saw in your hand? It's the same skill saw. But I don't know about you, but you're probably going to produce maybe a better result. I know, I know a tool in brother, uh, let's say a welder. I know a welder in this man's hand. Same welder, same tool, same quality. He's going to put a bead on there that's a lot better than mine. Mine may look like a jumbled mess. It may hold something. But his is going to hold it and look nice. But it's, it's not a different quality tool. It's the development. It's the skill. It's the training. So you may not feel like a, you know, a, a master faith welder right now, but just stay an apprentice. Stick around. Practice. I said, everyone say practice. This is what I say. If you don't have your faith on something, line up after the service. I'll give you a little pastoral swat of correction. You need to, that's why I said get a saying list. You need to have your faith on something. Your faith isn't anything. Anything God gives you is just kind of an overflow mercy blessing. If you really want to operate and live and experience the supernatural, you're going to have to put your faith, use it like a tool, use your faith on purpose. Amen. Amen. I want to read down through verse 4 and then we're going to stop. So he said, uh, To those that have obtained like precious faith with us, how did we get it? Well, we got it through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ through our new birth experience. Grace, that word means favor. Grace, favor, and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according, this verse is so powerful, according as His, God's divine power has, notice your tense, it's already been given, has given unto us what? All things that pertain. What are some important things? Quick, that pertain to your life. Food, finances, health, strength, protection, shelter. You could keep going, right? What does this say? God's power has already given to all of us all things that pertain to your life. All things that are unique and specific to your call. In that right, Brett and Sarah? They've already been given to you. God's already allocated it. He's already paid for it, Pastor Greg. Amen. Where's it at then? Well, got to keep reading. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's through what? Ah, remember we were talking about knowledge? Through the knowledge of Him that is called us to and by, in the Greek it's by, not to, glory and virtue. Last verse. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious. There's that word again. Precious what? Promises. So all of the things that God has given to us, all things that pertain to your life, Austin, all things that pertain to you, Marilyn, in both life 
in godliness and spiritual matters. It's already been given, but in what form? In the form of a promise. It's not going to be forced on you. It's all given in promise form. And it's a precious promise. Come on, the promise to heal you, isn't that precious? How about the promise that He's going to lead you and guide you? Navigate your life? Order your steps? Isn't that precious? How about His promise to give us soundness of mind, peace in the midst of storms, joy in the midst of trials, victory in the midst of trouble? Isn't that precious? Precious to me. How about Philippians 4.19? Oh my God, how pre- that's a diamond in the rough right there. Woo! Man, I, I just keep squeezing that scripture. I don't know how much money I've got of that scripture. I'm going to live my whole life on that one scripture. My God shall supply all of my needs. Woo! It's precious. How about the promise of forgiveness of our sins? Redemption. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. The power of God. Communion. Heaven. A mansion. Getting to see God one day face to face. Like one of Jessica Boger's kids said, I'm going to kiss Jesus on the lips and live in a gummy bear mansion. That's what he said. <laughs> when I see Jesus, I'm going to kiss Him on the lips and I'm going to live in a gummy bear mansion. You know, if He doesn't change those words as He gets older, He's going to be surprised when He gets to heaven, isn't He? What is that? That's a house made out of gummy bears. Notice this. Two things are mentioned here in these first four verses by Peter. Right? Two things that are precious. The faith and the promise. The promises are precious. But they only become a reality when you take your precious faith and use your faith to pull that promise into reality, into manifestation. Amen? So don't leave home without your faith. Think about your faith every day. I think about my faith every day. I feed my faith every day. I use my faith every day. You know, if something's precious, you protect it. My most precious items are my most protected items. You know, you got to protect your faith. Protect my faith. Yeah, from strife in your marriage. You got to protect your faith from fussing and fighting. You have to protect your faith from getting offended. Yeah. You have to protect your faith by being unforgiving, disobedient, rebellious. You have to protect your faith by being a moral person. Peter goes on in that same chapter and says, now add to your faith. The first thing he says is you're to add to your faith is moral excellence. King James is virtue, but if you look it up, it's moral excellence. Your faith, you protect your faith by being morally excellent. Don't think you're going to be a faith giant, live immoral. Don't think your faith's going to work like Pastor Crystal was preaching on Facebook Monday night. You're going to be a big faith person and and not walk in love. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, verse 4, 5, right around in there. Right? So I don't know why my faith doesn't work. Check up on your love walk. Can't be mean and fussing and fighting and strife with everybody and gossiping at work and 
chewing up your pastor. And, right? Okay, praise God. Put it in the archive. That's my message. I'm sticking to it, right? Amen. You could stand to your feet tonight. I thought I would end by declaring the coronavirus protection policy over you in the name of Jesus, but I already did it. 